Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This episode of After Work Drinks is brought to you by Calming Blankets. Calming Blankets are the best weighted blankets engineered to help relieve anxiety and stress. And let's be honest, we all need quite a bit of that right now. Welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture, and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Hello, everybody. We've swapped our usual... So you've got a coffee because it's like eight in the morning. Yes. I've swapped my usual red wine for a vodka and tonic, which is a new little coronavirus thing I'm trying. Izzy's frowning. Is it Nice. It's so nice. It's my favorite drink. But as you know, I've discovered late that tonic water is full of sugar. So I've got the sort of non-sugar version. Um, but it's eerily reminiscent of the time, because I don't really drink spirits, that oh my I God. <laughs> yes, drank like a whole bottle of vodka at like a very low-key catch-up around a kind of kitchen island with you and our friend Francesca about three years ago. But we were just having a chill drinks kind of cheese board situation grace had just decided that she had just gotten into martinis which is essentially just straight vodka with what an olive in it yeah so i didn't even it's meant to have like vermouth or something and i was just going straight chilled vodka with a single olive and then i noticed so we arrived she had one of her martinis i think we were drinking wine rosé or something um and then grace on her second martini sort of started like slumping over the kitchen island and we were so sober it was, it was unbelievable like 7 
Yeah, yeah. and then by about 7.30, she's asleep on the couch, completely <laughs> knocked out cold. And then you go into the freezer and like two-thirds of the bottles, because I was drinking frozen vodka, which tastes like nothing, as I think we remember from our teenage years. Mm. And I was just knocking it back like waters because I just wasn't thinking. I thought I was very sad, sort of sophisticated and grown up and I just knocked my little pea brain out that actually happened to me that was when the time at Glastonbury with the Sowy story that was straight <laughs> that was straight vodka in a pump bottle yeah me and Zach still say that to each other today he like knocked past me and he goes Sowy like, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I when I was a teenager used to drink straight vodka um I can't Same. remember oh called Christ I think it was called Christoph and I would drink straight vodka and then pour raro sachets in, which is like, uh, I don't know if you guys have that in Australia. Did I you... hate to say this, but we've had this conversation on the podcast before, I think. Are they like jelly sachets? Yeah, juice sachet, sachet kind of thing. You mix it with water. And I would put that with vodka. So my vodka would taste like disgusting kind of mango flavored watered down juice and drink that. Yeah, it, it, it takes a while to go full circle on vodka, I think, because it's every every girl's starting drink yeah i still don't like it you ruin it for you ruin it for yourself for like 10 years i've never been able to drink it again it's the only spirit that i like Hmm. anyway this episode is brought to you by (laughs) christoph it's literally literally about eight dollars i know the one it's like and it's in full russian like rushki branding and it was like nine dollars or something i remember did i tell you that um so when I arrived in New Zealand, also I've been here for two weeks today, so I'm officially out of corona quarantine Woo! and into regular person quarantine, But um, <laughs> which means I can now go to the supermarket. But my sister, who's 18 years old, bless her soul, went to the supermarket for me and I gave her a list and she dropped it outside the door and she went and got the most wild 18-year-old stuff so i specified that i wanted a couple of bottles of cab sav and she went and got me jacob's creek oh Jared. and i physically can't drink it which is so weird because i know that when you go to a shitty pub in london probably the house wine is a jacob's creek and i can drink it then and i can get it down and here I, i've been, i've tried like three different times to drink the wine really i think i could knock back a good jacob's creek this reminds me Actually, of the time, I don't know if I told you this before, when I was, I think, about 15, and I talked my dad into buying me alcohol for a New Year's Eve party. And I was, like, very specific. I was, like, I need a four-pack of, like, sky blues, mm-hmm. lemon, like, lime flavor. Got the photo up, showed him everything. I was, like, don't fuck it up. <laughs> and he came, he came back, I'm not joking, with a bottle of Horton's Dry White Chardonnay. Oh my God. How? And a, and a bottle of soda water. And he said, a white wine spritz is a great drink. I think you'll like it better. And I had to go to a party as a 15-year-old with a white wine, like with a bottle of dry white wine. Wow. So humiliating. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Also, you guys aren't all going crazy with losing track of the date. This is being released on a Wednesday, which is uh, a day early from our usual day of Thursday in Australian New Zealand time, because we're now going to switch it up. It's going to be a Wednesday release, and you'll find out why later in the week. Mm. Mm. 
very mysterious. We're say on that topic. I know. I love how all of our listeners kind of just roll with the punches. It'll either be released on a Wednesday, it'll be released on a Thursday morning, Thursday night, just won't be released at all. Who knows? Sometimes they like DM me and like, is there an episode coming this week? And I'm like, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Who really knows? You know about as much as us. Yes, yeah, stay tuned. Moving right along to what we've been doing in isolation this week, I, like everyone else in the world, watched Unorthodox on Netflix. Have you watched it? Yes. So I watched the first two episodes today, so I could be up to date with you. So you take the lead and I'll chip in with some observations. So it's based on a true story, on a novel written by a woman who was born an Orthodox Jew in New York in Williamsburg and married off at god i think she must have been 18 when she was married to i think she was 17 uh, i read i was reading today in an arranged marriage and she then escapes basically and goes to berlin and it's just so interesting it's four-part series and it's funny because my friend the other day i messaged her and i was like have you watched unorthodox and she goes i'm on episode one part four i was like that's the finale What episode one part four? She was just like, "Oh it's God, <laughs> yeah." I, the the first thing I found really crazy about it is that you think it's taking place in the fifties or something, and mm. then someone whips out an iPhone or or something crazy happens because everything it, it's like semi Amish, the community that she grows up in, but it's in New York, so it's like not too kind of far along in that I was like, "Oh, this is set in like the nineties or something." Yeah, so I I actually had no idea about the religion I, I knew fuck all about the religion so it was really really interesting and I had no idea that basically orthodox Jews what their whole thing is is to live their lives exactly as people would have done way back when so that's why they have no idea about technology and no idea about anything like that because they're trying to reenact how life was for their ancestors right yeah, it's it's so this so much that I had no idea about. It seems from the ads like a very depressing watch, but I felt even in the first two episodes that it's kind of an uplifting watch in a way mm. because it it is about like liberation and the joy she gets in all these kind of things she gets to do once she's out. Yeah, the last episode is really, really, really good. I just wish it was longer now, which is annoying. And I've also been watching um, Ozark for the first time ever. I need to watch Ozark. This is our big cultural black black spot. Yeah, I know. Everyone's losing their minds because of season three. And I am up to season one, episode eight. But it's one of those shows that's really kind of dark that I put it on last night at 11 p.m. and was watching it. And then I just felt, you know how when you stop watching something like that and you just feel a little bit icky? There's all Mm -hmm. the murder and the and the drugs and it's kind of like d- dimly lit scenes and then I was like oh god I'm probably gonna get murdered 100%. tonight yeah I get that what have you been watching um so what the first thing I did was finally finish the bloody goldfinch which I know has been a saga in three parts on this podcast but I'm I've done this is like the the whole thing I want to talk about actually is because I finished it I was I was when something's that long and that overwritten and huge I feel like you're almost um 
Stockholm syndromed into thinking it's a masterpiece. So then you kind of leave and you're like, I don't know if it was. Mm. And heaps of people messaged me when I posted on Instagram and said, I think I liked it. I don't know. And yeah. it turns out there was this huge... Oh, and I also, after I watched it, stupidly paid five pounds to watch the movie on Amazon, even though it was completely universally panned by everyone who watched it. Um, and it was terrible. And I yeah. Ansel Elgort like and Nicole Kidman, right? Really good cast. And the people all make sense when you're reading it. And Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things plays this Boris character, which I thought, I just thought it was, I was like, why wouldn't this work? But it's really, really shit. And basically I was doing some reading afterwards and it turned out that the book was this huge talking point back in 2014 because it won the Pulitzer Prize and it was this huge bestseller and hordes and hordes of women bought it and loved it. But there was this kind of cohort of highbrow literary magazine editors from the New Yorker and the Paris Review of Books who were all men who basically went to extreme lengths to talk about how shit it was and it became this Vanity Fair wrote this whole article of is it literature or not and who gets to decide and uh, there's this great piece in The Guardian about how it's kind of this trendy thing when female authors become very successful commercially for literary men to pick apart every single thing that's kind of not good about their writing. And then they, they basically dubbed it goldfinching and they talked about a little life, which came out two years later and how the exact same thing happened where it sold really well and women loved reading it. And all these kind of male critics loved shitting all over. Really? I didn't know that happened with that um, book because I loved that book and I loved her writing in it. It's incredible. But the goldfinch, I didn't even finish. But yes, either way, story. that's kind of, that's crazy. And I just, I know that this is obviously a widely known fact, but I just can't believe that women used to have to lie and use men's names to publish their books, not even that long ago. But this is why it's so crazy. And the editor of the Paris Review of Books was, like, had to resign during Me Too. And he w- was famous at the time. He was on the shitty men in media list. After his name got published, they did an internal investigation and he got fired. And his whole MO was that he would solicit young, very young, attractive female writers to sleep with him. And when they stopped sleeping with him, he would stop publishing their work. That was like the accusations that were leveled at him. Oh my God. But this is what I, and he was one of the biggest critics against the goldfinch and like, You can't draw a giant bow between the two things, but this is what I meant with the Woody Allen thing about when this stuff happens, it's not about critiquing everything they've ever done that's of merit. It's about saying, like, what's it done for women that someone who holds this view of women is deciding what the best literature in the country is? Yeah, exactly. You know? How how far those waves carry to basically every other female author in the world. Exactly. And he was like, I never consciously stopped publishing someone's work after we had a sexual affair. I never consciously published better looking and younger women's work than other women's. But obviously, if if that's the way you see the world, you were doing that, whether you're aware of it or not. And we were talking last night briefly about it. And didn't you say that Marion Keys said that the term chick lit was coined literally so that these men didn't have an issue with it? Yeah, it was it was in that book club podcast I was talking about and she kind of talked about 
she was asked whether she found being dubbed chick lit offensive and she said i don't find being put in that genre offensive in and of itself i find the it offensive in the way that men use it to make women feel stupid about what they like reading. Yes. And she said it kind of took off in the 90s in a period where women were becoming so successful in the workplace and were earning money and, and finally getting CEO positions and things. It kind of coincided with this blanket term they used to... It's just used to kind of write off female writers and make them seem unserious and not literary and not smart and then makes the women who read that stuff seem stupid and not smart. Yeah, but then also, as we've talked about in the past, where we talked about films, it's a lot harder, probably, to write a book where nothing happens and it's literally four different families living on a street, living their normal lives, which all of us do, and make that interesting than it is to make a murder mystery interesting. This is the thing. We've talked before about how men struggle with intimate, vulnerable, interpersonal friendships. So if you haven't experienced that, you're not going to be struck emotionally by a book that's about female friendship or that's about the value of friendships or the value of leaning on each other or girlfriends or not finding love but finding solace in your Mm. girls. Like that's not going to resonate with you because that's not going to speak to your life experience. So you're going to write that off as not being good because you don't get it. Yeah. Or even just books about – Leanne Moriarty's books are often about the wife – in the family and based from her perspective. So obviously they're not going to completely understand, but that speaks to, well, not the wife, but being a woman speaks to 50% of the population. Yeah, exactly. I just think it's so interesting the way that all comes about. It's just so ingrained and like, it's so ingrained in everything that it's so difficult to unpack, but it's Mm. really interesting. Uh, also, I read the synopsis of A Little Life because I just suck. I just do that for everything. Have you read the book? No. Oh, yeah. I started reading it. That is dark. The book? Yeah. Yeah. It's the most depressing book ever. That's why I think I said to you when we when I was reading it that it would have been – it would be one of my favorite books, but it's not because it makes me feel really sad. But the way she writes is beautiful. So I kept reading it because I liked her beautiful writing and that's what I enjoyed about it, but I didn't really enjoy the story so much. When I read the synopsis, and this is spoiler alert, jump forward about 45 seconds, but it's just, it's not even spoiler alert, it's just thing after thing after thing after thing. When I was reading it, I was like, this just seems like it's getting a bit gratuitous to keep doing these things to this poor man. I know. But then some people just have lives like that. Do you think, though, he, yeah. like... Okay, spoiler alert. He, like, gets his legs cut off and then he's in a car crash and then he's in a... Bl- like, it's just so insane. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I have to read it before I can pass a judgment. But moving on to something much more lighthearted and very amazing is Caroline Colloway. I'm back on board, baby. <laughs> I know. I feel like bef- before we jump into it, we should explain who she is because literally the other day, me, you, me and you were talking to our other friend and we just mentioned her name as if she's literally Barack Obama and everyone's heard of her. And she was like, who is this? It's because our episode with her name in the title was this freak episode that's one of our most listened to of all times. So I know. Everyone knows. Yeah, but she's a uh, influencer. I don't even know how she became super massive just had a blog just had an instagram um and she 
took off massively last year when everyone said she was scamming. She's kind of become a known as this scam artist who uh, tried to kind of, she just tries to make a lot of money off her following, which is what anyone wants to do. But then the way she went about it is she organized this event and then it was just badly organized basically. And everyone <laughs> wrote her off as this huge scam artist. And I'm like, I kind of feel for Carolyn in that. Yeah, same. And then her best, her former best friend wrote a tell-all essay for The Cut about how she'd written all of Caroline's captions that made her famous and how she was this awful, terrible person and revealing the truth about Caroline Culloway. And yeah. that's when we kind of came super across her. And now, <laughs> in a sentence I can't believe I'm uttering, she has written a retort essay back to natalie and she has put it behind a ten dollar paywall but all the money goes to coronavirus victims and she's raised thirty thousand dollars so far and she posted a nude of herself on twitter to get herself to number one on twitter so everyone would go and pay for this paywall to read this essay basically and i'm very proud to say that I paid the $10 today. <laughs> did you? Yes. Grace, why I didn't did. you tell me? Because I would have done the same and I would have read the essay and then we could have discussed it. Because it was like about four seconds before we got on this phone call. <laughs> but it's, it's basically, it's in three parts. The first part has very little. I skim read it. But she, once you know, she, got her, t- she got her word count wrong. That's why she leaked the nude because she. I don't know how she managed to do this, but she highlighted all the text, which must, must have had thousands and thousands of extra words somewhere in the document and then told everyone that it was 30,000 words and it was actually about 7,000. She's so <laughs> iconic and she they have been unable to trace where the money's gone. Like a journalist the other day posted <laughs> on Twitter that I called the charity that the money's gone to and they haven't had a lick of money come in. And she posted all these receipts and... All the receipts she posted were for the same transaction, but she posted it three times, like 30,000. Oh, it was all my God. Just go on Photoshop, Carolyn. And literally. So she, I just, I mean, I think the money is going to clear. I feel like it's too public for her to not have actually done no, it. No, that's take a wild. Few days. Remember when, Um, sorry to cut mm. in, but this is quite juicy. Remember when two <laughs> former Bachelor contestants hosted a charity night in Australia this isn't like I'm not gonna say who it is because I don't even think this is worldwide news. And then I don't know what this is. Oh, I feel like we've discussed this before. But two, <laughs> I just know this from Mag Mag World. Two former Bachelor contestants hosted a charity night and then said the money was going to charity and then kept it all. And then the charity literally contacted them and were like, "If you don't give this to us, we're going public and telling the whole world that you didn't give it to us." So they had oh, to end up. It. So they had to end up transferring it, but they'd already spent all the money on a holiday. That is red hot, but in some ways relatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm like fully a hundred percent back on board, Team Caroline. Even though she's the most chaotic human being on the planet, I just can't get enough of her. I think she's a marketing genius, and I love her. Her landing page is literally says. What do you do if your best friend writes a bitchy article about you for the cut? A, do nothing. B, blah, blah. C, wait till the opportune moment and use it to raise funds for a worldwide pandemic. (laughs) And you have to click the third one to enter the website. (laughs) I know. She's so funny. She's just, yeah, her energy's 
so wild but also so relaxed (laughs) it's and it's so i i really thought which i had respect for that she was kind of of the attitude okay natalie you've written your little story whatever whereas it's very obvious from this essay that she's been absolutely festering Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) for months and months and months desperate to get her own back there are so many no she was she was um posting on her instagram account going at New York Times, at New Yorker, at all these places, trying to get them to publish her story, which is weird that they wouldn't. I feel like they would, but... Um, I think because she's sus. I think it's because there's all oh, these right. sus yeah, yeah, things yeah. about her credibility that she's had to do it this way. But um, there's so many amazing things. She mentions her friend Kelsey, who she mentions is a Blake Lively lookalike about seven times. And then she writes, I'm going to protect Kelsey's surname because I don't want her to be a part of this. And then uploads all these screenshots of Instagrams that are at Kelsey Smith. Yeah, she did that on her own Instagram as well. <laughs> I'm going to protect her name. And it's in there like 20 times. Yeah. Um, and then she says something along the lines of, we all have that prettier, more successful friend that we just feel jealous of. Mine was Kelsey, and I guess I was Natalie's. <laughs> yes. She's terrible. She's such a terrible human, but I love her. Um, and it's the first of three, so we've got the more juicy things are coming. What ha- What is what happens? What's the juicy? What's the vibe? The juicy vibe is that basically she's ruthlessly cut together the captions she wrote. Oh in my god! She did this all, with she, Natalie. She did this all over her. Instagram already has she versus the one she wrote with Kelsey and she says things like Kelsey didn't have aspirations of being a writer so I never thought to charge her for a time but her ideas were just so much better and made my writing so much better and introduced several literary writing devices such as and basically just is trying to make Natalie look like a really basic writer and this random hot woman called Kelsey look like bloody Kurt Vonnegut or something. Oh my God. Natalie's a good writer. We've all read her (laughs) cut piece. And the absolute best uh, nugget in there is, I don't know why Natalie saved me from publishing it because she likes to throw it in my face all the time. But yes, when I made her clean my house, my sheets were stained with period blood. And yes, I made her wash them. Why did she make her clean her house? She was in Cambridge. And she had to put her house on Airbnb and oh. she wanted Natalie to go wash it. And I was like, that's kind of fine. Yeah, I would get you to do that. <laughs> you would get Same. me to do that. I was like, that's, I was like, that's, that's okay. That's just helping a friend out. <laughs> that's just helping a friend out who's in trouble. I don't yeah. know. Weird. Um, but yeah, she obviously doesn't have a lot of self-awareness. But I No, that that's, that's, saying. that's her biggest thing. She's just a very, very privileged woman who has no idea that who just thinks her life is really hard and has no idea, no self-awareness. Yeah. She talks about having mental illness and going through depressive periods, but doesn't really discuss being diagnosed. So I don't know exactly what, like she's quite vague about it, but I'm sure she's gone through really difficult times, but she's just, yeah, she's a phenomenon and I love her. I know. She's literally, she reminds me so much of Hannah from Girls like that exact character where you're just you're just so annoying because you're just so unaware of everything you're saying and how it affects other people and just your general and of course, being what makes you interesting and dynamic is that you are smart and you do have something interesting to say and you are a pretty good writer and 
the, you have an interesting worldview and you're well traveled and you have an inch of self-awareness like an ability to look down at yourself in a certain way but just not far enough it just can make you come across as just very very unlikable yeah but i feel like that's so that's basically everyone who uses instagram she's just on 100 percent. she's just yeah she's just on a kind of more elevated carolyn perfectly segues into kind of what we have been discussing this week in terms of obviously the virus the virus is affecting everyone in the whole world which kind of brings us all together for once and we talked about it in when we were talking about celebrities and how they have been responding but then there has been so much about influences this week and a lot of it is funny because so we mentioned the influencer who went and got her test herself tested for coronavirus when tests were notoriously they still are but when they were even more hard to get in america and she managed to get tested but then she her results were positive so then it was suddenly okay she's showing people that you can have these different symptoms and still feel kind of fine but still have coronavirus and the importance of taking the whole thing seriously and then she proceeded to document herself cuddling her kids when she had tested positive and they hadn't had any symptoms um was filming her nanny in the background so everyone was thinking that she was obviously uh, in contact with another person who might not have the virus and might be spreading it. And then she filmed herself and her family driving up to the Hamptons, which then everyone, <laughs> which, then every, which then everyone obviously jumps in and is like, stay fucking put. This is what the New York governor is telling everyone to stay in place. And you're fucking filming yourself to, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people going off to the Hamptons to have fun in your beach house, which is wild taken out of context but then i actually am here to stick up for her <laughs> surprise hot take surprisingly her name's, uh, her name's ariel charnas by the way ariel charnas i didn't sorry i didn't know her name something um, navy so i'm here to stick up for ariel charnas whose name i just learned <laughs> <laughs> what a sword to die on <laughs> i know because i was reading so what happens obviously as we all know with the media but everyone takes the most interesting parts and creates a story and yes it's very interesting that Ariel Charnas is just, she, just because she's been dubbed the co-idiot by the media <laughs> yeah there's been just endless stories about her and she she did a, a crying which I'm gonna raise my hand and say a crocodile tears crying there was like one solitary tear <laughs> trickling down her cheek while she was like hyperventilating <laughs> but she's obviously it's not fun to have a pile on and okay. she's issued an apology so I haven't watched her crying video but she posted on instagram her explanation of it all and i just think with this virus people are so quick to jump on and everyone thinks they're an expert and everyone you know like even leandra medine from man repeller posted a photo of herself holding her two toddlers hands going for a walk around the block which you are allowed to do she wouldn't have come in contact with anyone and she's getting her toddlers outside in fresh air which any mother needs to do or they will go actually Mm. batshit crazy and it's completely fine to do. And she got so, so, so many comments being like, stay the fuck home. Just stay home. That's so irresponsible. That's blah, blah, that's blah, blah, that's blah, blah. And she had to, She was writing, well, she wrote back to one and said, actually, we're allowed to go for a walk around the block. That's completely fine in New York City. I'm t- I took them outside. We didn't come in contact with anyone. We stayed two meters away from everyone. We, like, we crossed the road if we saw people. It's fine to do. And everyone just thinks they're the police right now. And I think with this woman, 
obviously I think it was kind of silly for her to post those things without realizing what people would say. For example, I have a following of like 4,000 on my Instagram and I didn't even post that I was in New Zealand because I was worried that people would think, oh, she's just flown to New Zealand. She's going to spread the virus. She's not going to like, how did she get those groceries that she's eating? uh, Why is she outside? Because in Australia, if you come back from overseas, you aren't allowed to go outside for 14 days, which is crazy. Um, And, you know, just anything, you know, how did she get from A to B or whatever? And you can take the most extreme measures to not come in contact with anyone, which I did, but no one's going to know that unless you explain it like a crazy person, which then she had to do. Yes. Okay. I, I agree with that on the point of Leandra Medine. And I think people are jumping on, but if you have made a very big public point of testing positive, like if you had live Instagrammed you testing positive for coronavirus and then seven days later we're on a plane to New Zealand. Everyone no. would be giving you shit justified. You like you know what I mean? I'm like people there is no reason for people to give you shit because you're following guidelines. Whereas if someone's literally tested positive and has one point three million people, many of whom are young women, watching them and they're like flagrantly disobeying a huge amount of health advice that people who haven't tested positive are meant to follow and she's literally one of the few people who can get a test and has tested positive and she's all it's like that i think the reason that people are pissed off which i understand is that you live in because you share it all the time on your instagram a palatial upper east side Mm, yes apartment and you're basically saying that it's too hard for you to stay in that. So you need to go to a giant house in the Hamptons where you could potentially, because you actually have the virus and so does your husband, which means probably so do your two kids. You are potentially spreading to a whole new community of people. People are stuck in the tiniest little shithole flats. They've lost their job. They have unemployment. Like, you know what I mean? They're staying put. Yeah. That's where, that's, that's the when frustration. I find it. That's what I mean with the Carolyn kind of segue is it's just being so unself-aware. But she literally posted on her Instagram and explained the whole thing, which I don't know if it's if she's lying and exaggerating or whatever, but she says on Instagram, I tested positive. We stayed inside our house and didn't leave for two weeks. Our nanny stayed with us for the full two weeks because she felt like she would have contracted the virus. No, it wasn't. They only stayed in for eight days. This is the problem. Ah, oh, that's what she said on Instagram. She said two weeks. I, I like I, there's been a whole Twitter feed breaking down her timeline oh, okay. when she got tested versus when she got her results. It was it was seven or eight. Oh, days. okay. So she said on Instagram, this is why I'm sticking up for her, that it was two weeks, yeah. and then she said that her family, after the two week period when they hadn't had any symptoms for whatever, following government advice, this is what she's saying, and this is what I believed, uh, following government advice, hadn't had any symptoms, hadn't shown any signs, so they walked down to their car, got in their car, didn't stop for petrol, drove straight to their house and had food delivered there so they haven't come in contact with anyone and they were just moving to stay put there. Which is stupid because every no one has the... That's what I mean with being so unself-aware that it's like obviously your followers don't want to see that right now so just don't post all of this stuff. Yeah, like if yeah, you're going to do it and if you're going to... Yeah. yeah, if you're going to do that and you're actually not coming in contact with anyone and you actually are staying put for two weeks and none of you have symptoms anymore and there's actually no physical way that you can be spreading the virus if you're literally going straight to your house and not seeing anyone 
And you know that, which is even me with coming to New Zealand. I know that I did everything right and I know no one can contract the virus, but I'm still not going to post it all over Instagram because I don't feel like putting that disclaimer with every single post because that's insane. You know that people are going to take everything. You know that everyone knows you tested positive. So it just seems stupid to share any of that. Just do it silently. Just secretly go to the Hamptons. It's got a bit of a like having your cake and eat it too thing if you wanted the social feedback loop of everyone being scared for you and being one of the first people to get tested positive and then you also want the feedback loop of being at an aspirational hideout for quarantine yeah you know it's just that kind of literally just go offline for four weeks and then post and from the hamptons and explain it yeah and it's just i think it's with influencers it's really interesting because the value of influencers is their image like, they're very rarely called upon to talk about serious things. Like, that's not the nature in the main of what an influencer's job is. And I think it's like we talked about with celebrities, but it's just that gap between awareness or intelligence or engagement with the real world or privilege or all of those things. We don't value them in influencers because we don't tend to hear them speak and we don't tend to ask them what they think about serious things. We just like that they have nice hair or we just like that they have good skin or we just like that they wear nice clothes or live in a big house or Mm. have perfect two kids who wear matching outfits. That's all we want from them. We just want a quick image that's not accompanied by anything substantial. Yeah, which is right now obviously difficult because people don't want to see that stuff right now because you uh, hold up in a tiny house not feeling happy feeling super anxious eating noodles for dinner because you haven't managed to go to the supermarket in three days the last thing you want to see is two beautiful toddlers dancing around a mansion and that's the same thing with the celebrity thing that's why everyone's piling on them because we don't want to be and even so i've been saying that to people who have been doing takeovers on our instagram account every person i've messaged i've said just like we want everyone to be aware that a lot of people aren't feeling great right now and we would really much prefer your posts to be relatable rather than aspirational and please if you lay in bed for eight hours yesterday and watch Netflix all day just please be honest about that because that's what everyone wants to see right now and I and it's just so weird that influencers and celebrities can't seem to get their heads around that side of things yeah exactly it, it is really interesting and I, I get that it's difficult I read a it was actually a really funny New York Times piece scathing the Imagine cover, which is <laughs> the biggest Schadenfreude thing for me. I just can't stop reading people making fun of that whole. Imagine oh my video. god! Yeah, Gal- um, was it Gal Gadot's you- idea? Yes, and god. you can actually. I rewatched it today. You can really see a lot of them feeling like there's a hostage video vibe. Yeah, to quite a few of the celebrities that partook in it because you can see that like Zoe Kravitz is barely mumbling the words out. Chris O'Dowd looks like he wants to burst into tears. Well, I was thinking that because it's literally how do you say no if your friend is another really massive famous celebrity saying this is going to be something positive that's going to help people lift people's spirits and even if you feel as if it's not suddenly she's already got a bunch of like other of your friends to say yes so then you just feel backed into a corner and how are you going to say that you're busy (laughs) yeah exactly um but tabby gevinson did a really funny spoof on it if anyone goes to her instagram it's really good but this guy was saying he was like it's very easy to make fun of celebrities for getting it wrong the common theme with all these celebrities is that their first instinct is to help people yeah. Because I think what you talked about, you you said they're trying. They're not 
they don't have bad intentions. Yeah, they're trying to be relatable and it's it's Jade. I read about how Ellen had Justin Timberlake. She's having phone calls from her mansion with different celebrities on her Instagram stories. And it's kind of, no one wants to see that right now, but probably a lot of people do want to see that right now, but it just, it feels a bit tone deaf and gross. But she would be coming from that, from a space (laughs) of, I'm just doing what I normally do that makes people happy. And I want to keep doing that. Sorry about swearing. Your um, Ellen DeGeneres going live thing reminded me that um, James Blake just did another live concert this morning. Oh, I thought you were saying about, about Ellen DeGeneres. I was like, that's a powerful response, Izzy. I didn't think you'd care that much. No, you reminded me that James Blake did a live post this morning and that was what my alarm was when I was in the shower and I was listening to a podcast <laughs> and my alarm started going off and I was like, for fuck's sake, and, and turned it <laughs> off. And it was reminding me that my favourite musician in the world has been live and I know you can rewatch them later, but it's just so fun watching it in live time. So he's one that's doing well in this. And... Amy Shark, sorry, I'm just going on a tangent now, but Amy Shark, who I had no idea really who she was until uh, she came to an event that I was at for work and then we chatted for ages about New Zealand accents and her crazy auntie in New Zealand and then we were swapping crazy family stories. And I was like, I love this girl. She's just so cool and down to earth. And then she went on Instagram Live the other day and it was her first time ever and I and it just popped up that she was live and I clicked on. She was so nervous and cute and being like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And everyone was commenting stuff below. And then she was like, oh, this is crazy. This is so cool. And then was taking requests for songs and playing songs all afternoon. And I was like, this is relatable and fun. That's nice. We should do that. <laughs> what would we do? What are our talents? I cannot put into words how horrible my singing voice is. It's crazy. My it's the voice kind is where probably worse singing- than yours. We should do a karaoke together. Mine is the kind of voice where if we would do sing-alongs in the car when I was a teenager, people would stop and be like, whoa, Grace. Same, same. Literally <laughs> yeah. same. I'm so tone deaf. It is same. beyond belief. I, I, I cannot get it right. This every single person. And I like to sing. Is same. The, like, that's the problem. Same. Yeah. I love to God. sing. Same. But, yeah. I want to be a singer. That's my sec- my secret <laughs> life dream. Don't you want to be a dancer? Yes, I want to be a pop like a pop star. <laughs> I don't want to be one like as me. I wish I was born a, a, like, a talented. Who do you wish you were born? Ariana Grande? Mm. <laughs> no, she's yeah, had some horrible I, things happen. No, I was just trying to think that, um, like Rihanna. Yeah, probably. Just very yeah. cool. Great bangers. Great bangers. I know. Very respectable pop star. Doesn't get into too much trouble. I'm trying to think of who I would want to be. God, why can't I get Dua Lipa's name out of my head? It's going Dua Lipa, say Dua Lipa, say Dua Lipa. And I'm like, I don't want to be Dua Lipa. Your little pea brain has two (laughs) single words, like bouncing around like a Pac-Man machine. And those words are Dua Lipa. That's why I was silent. Because I was like, I don't want to be Dua Lipa. She goes out with fucking Anwar Hadid. I don't want to go out with him. (laughs) (laughs) I know, because my first thought was Madonna. And I was like, I don't want to be Madonna. She's posting these crazy videos of her. Have you seen her? Like I haven't gold... seen her, but I've read about it. I was reading it, the New York Times. Um, I think I was reading, I don't know, I was reading something funny and it was recounting all of the wild celebrity stuff and it was saying something about Madonna being in a rose petal bath. 
Yeah, it's literally like a gold gilded bath <laughs> covered with rose petals and she was filmed inside it. And apparently from the footage she's been posting, it seems like she has several household staff in the house that she just hasn't let go home. Amazing. She's scary. I yeah. adore her. Oh, I have one more thing to say on this topic, actually, which is that when I was reading a Vanity Fair story about the end of influences, um, a video popped up and it was called Kim Kardashian Answers Nine Questions About Prison Reform from Quarantine. And I obviously watched the whole thing and it was amazing. Oh, my God. It so was funny. in quarantine at Kris Jenner's house. And she was like, I'm just so glad to be away from my mum. She's so annoying. And then he's like... <laughs> what should the president be doing about prisoners during quarantine? And she's like, boom. And she just rattles off all these amazing facts. You don't have to throw someone's life away because they made a bad choice at one point in their life and that people can be rehabilitated. So for me, I always, always say, if someone does the crime, they should do time. But what is fair time? Can you believe that scrap between Kim and Courtney, which I haven't watched on Keeping Up With The Kardashians because... If anyone knows me, knows for years now, I haven't known how to stream that show. I would love to know, and I would love to watch it at some point, but I just cannot figure it out. Um, but I watched it on Instagram, and they literally are having a fucking fist fight. Your nails in me! You guys, stop! And then the they funniest, each other. the funniest part of it all is when Courtney smacks Kim into the wall and then Kim's makeup <laughs> is on the wall this, as this big stain and then afterwards Chloe's cleaning it with spray and wipe. I love that. God. I never watched an episode of The Kardashians. Dude, you would love it. It is so, yeah, so, would. so funny. It's so funny. They're just, they're just, you would love their because they're not even trying to be funny. It's just them speaking, and it's it's literally our humor. Just the way they talk. Yeah, I love it's the so, Real Housewives. So, yeah, Kardashians is better. Only mm-hmm. when it's um the old ones, the younger ones are fucking boring. Yeah, Courtney and I mean Kendall and Kylie got nothing to say. Actually, Kylie's sometimes funny. Christian is the it's best be- one. It's because they grew up famous, so they didn't have to work for it. Like the other yeah. three had to make it entertaining, or they would. It's really good. Okay. Not that I've watched it in about four years, but it's really if good. If anyone has any details, us, boomers, <laughs> how do you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians? Can someone explain it to me? I us? know. It's really, really good. I just wish it was on Netflix like Friends because I just have it on repeat all the time. This episode of After Work Drinks is brought to you by Calming Blankets and there literally could be no better time for it. Calming Blankets is Australia's favourite weighted blanket for improving sleep and reducing stress. I actually wrote an article about them years ago, um, and I've wanted to try one ever since to see if it helps with my anxiety. So I got a 4kg one and have no idea how I ever lived without it. I know. I have a 4 kilo one too, and I sleep with it every single night. And also, sometimes when I'm really stressed, Zach will be like, do you need the blanket? And I'm like, yes, and he has to run over and put it on me. Because it, <laughs> it, it calms me down like straight away. I know. They're so good. Um, And I also had no idea that the idea of a calming practice has been around for generations. So therapists have been using the technique of deep touch pressure stimulation for stress, anxiety, ADHD, PTSD, and insomnia. And studies show that deep touch pressure works to improve sleep, reduce stress, and calm the mind. So with calming blankets, the inner lining is sewn with thousands of evenly distributed glass beads, which create a weighted effect, which then signals to your brain that you're in a space where you can relax and unwind. 
Calming blankets come in both adults and children's weights and sizes and different colorways and styles to suit all tastes. And listeners of Afterwork Drinks, you lucky ducks, are going to get $115 off, which is heaps, off your adult or children's calming blankets. Simply head to www.calmingblankets.com.au and enter the discount code AFTERWORKDRINKS. That's www.calmingblankets.com.au. Thank you so much to Calming Blankets for sponsoring this episode of Afterwork Drinks. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And alleviating all of our anxiety. I also read an amazing piece this week on loneliness because obviously in this time you can't see your friends and you have to just be in your little bubble and for a lot of people their bubble consists of just them and I've been isolating by myself for two weeks but I am very lucky because my friends do live down the road um, from me and I then posted on our After Work Drinks Closed Facebook page asking people how they're feeling and whether they're feeling lonely yet and there were quite a few responses of people saying that they're finding it really hard and they're really struggling and even one of my really good friends who is literally one of the most independent people I've ever met she loves being by herself loves her own space mm-hmm. lives by herself kind of out in the bush in New Zealand and she was saying that she's struggling way more than she thought she would be right now yeah and a lot of people were just saying weekends are hard I'm so used to being out in a weekend a gym class brunch a swim the movement that comes with those kinds of places is hard to relax hard to replace I'm finding yeah and another saying that what she's finding hard is which is what I also am finding hard is not knowing the timeline for it so sort of being fine right now but then thinking ahead and thinking I can't do months like this which I think is kind of that's where it's important to just take it day by day which is what I've been trying to do for months now but that's what's difficult like you say because I have moments like that where I think just a pre- as soon as this changes or ends, everyone's going to want things to go back to normal as quickly as possible. And I do think that as soon as this finishes, hopefully with as little human fatalities as possible, people will be really interested to just jump back into life as it was before and try to get away from this period in time. So I keep thinking just take it for what it is and appreciate it and try your best to enjoy it because once it's passed, you'll you'll maybe miss parts of the less frantic side of things and being able to do not very much or whatever, but it is not knowing if this is going to be another two weeks or another three to six months. That's where the uncertainty comes from. So I totally get that. Yeah, and I think as well it 
it so depends on your circumstances and that's why again I've been trying to make people who take over our Instagram be as because a lot of people are isolating in really beautiful places and a lot of people have access to walk along the beach and even right now I'm so lucky I can go for walks in nature and get outside and it's sunny here right now but then I feel like so much of how you feel in isolation right now depends on your circumstances. It depends on whether you feel comfortable at home. It depends on the people you're isolating around. It depends on the weather. It depends on whether you have work or whether you've lost work. So, or whether you were going through a hard time right before this. We had, I've had a couple of girls reach out to me on Instagram actually saying that they went through a breakup right before this happened mm. and are really struggling. And I had one last night saying that she re-listened to our heartbreak episode now that she's going through it. And another one, um, a girl that I've been meaning to catch up with in London actually um, messaged me, who had messaged me a couple of months ago saying that her boyfriend had just broken up with her. um, And then we couldn't catch up because we, the social distancing thing happened. Mm. So I, I don't even know what the positive part of this is. No, but but it's really good to talk about because like you say, you are in a, it's probably not that unique actually in terms of everyone in the world, but you're in a unique position in that you went through a really horrible, hard breakup and we're kind of getting to the crest of starting to feel better for the first time. And now I've kind of been forced into being with yourself all the time, which I guess would just heighten Mm, the grief or the feelings of loneliness or the feelings of obviously isolation. It kind of just brings it all back again. So do you feel kind of like a bungee cord where you got to a certain place and you got pulled back or is it that's how I was feeling in London so I even wrote when I was chatting to people on Facebook when I was in London I lived with three people and I felt more lonely there than I feel here being by myself Mm -hmm. and which is exactly right like you can be you can live alone without being lonely and you can be lonely without living alone and you can feel lonely but sleep beside a partner every night you know, or not feel lonely, but sleep by yourself. And I think that was what was kind of happening for me. Yeah, exactly. In London, it felt very much as though I was just starting to kind of get back into a heads- a better headspace. And then this happened and I was like, oh God, I just cannot be stuck here alone with my thoughts right now um, in a place where I don't really feel that comfortable. And I think that's another thing is if you feel as though you have a home, then isolating wouldn't wouldn't be as hard as it as for anyone who obviously doesn't feel comfortable in their own homes. That's horrible. But that's kind of how I was feeling because I'd only just moved in. I didn't really know the people at all. And then now coming here feels a lot better. But even in saying that, I was sitting here re- crying for two hours yesterday because I just really, really, I just had a bout of really missing my ex-boyfriend mm. and really missing our relationship. And obviously that's probably... Um, heightened because I can't see people or be distracted or go out but then again I feel like that's probably pretty healing even though it is hard yeah that was the thing uh, in that article you sent me in the New Yorker about the history of loneliness it kind of said that psychologically loneliness is an extension of grief or it's a type of grief Mm. for whatever it is and that's probably a huge part to do with it as well that article was so sad about the chimpanzees oh my god I know so two chimpanzees had lived together their whole lives and then when one of them died the other one went through this huge period of grieving and was crying and screaming and had and fully had a 
break down and was throwing things and then just um, lay down and and what basically whimpered for days on end and wouldn't move yeah and it was the first time they realized that animals grieved in the way that humans did and it became the basis of all this study but it's so sad but you're right about so another thing you recommended as well was alan dibaton on elizabeth day's podcast which they've done recently for isolation and he was talking about uh which brene brown's talked about we've talked about before but how loneliness is less to do with the people that are around you not always but can be less to do with the people that are around you and more to do with your ability to form meaningful relationships with them so we talked Mm. about if you're able to be vulnerable you're able to let your guard down and have serious deep human connections with the people in your life the value of those connections will just make you feel less lonely and it won't really matter if there's physically people around you or if you live by yourself or with other people you'll know that you you have those deep connections and that really resonated with me because I've been kind of okay over here and I get that I'm here with my boyfriend but I also feel like the friendships I have with like a few key people are so strong that Mm. I never feel lonely um yeah and I wonder I was thinking big part of it I was thinking that as well because what he was saying was so obvious. He basically was saying that two people can meet and if they say, hi, how are you? And the person replies, I'm really great, thanks. I'm doing incredibly well. I just got a promotion. Work's great. Life's great. How are you? And the other person gets their back up because of this person being so, um, I don't know, not that real. Then the other person kind of gets their back up and says, well, me too. Everything's great. I'm great. Great, great, great. Like happy. You're happy. Amazing. Perfect. And you just cannot connect like that at all, which is so true. And it's so, it's so obvious. But then when he put it like that, I I, I kind of thought that is the issue with so many uh, people that I talk to or so many people we encounter through work or anything like that. And I think that that's kind of why, uh, we end up, we were talking about this at Fashion Week, and I think that's kind of why we end up having, making friends with people is because that's such a place where everyone pretends they're doing well and everyone kind of has their peacock kind of feathers on and is dressed really well and is looking so great and is invited to these shows so maybe feels a bit whatever. And then as soon as you say, oh man, I was feeling really crap today, I couldn't figure out what to wear, I just uh, feel like all my clothes suck compared to everyone else's, or I just feel as though I don't have much to say in these rooms, I get really um, imposter syndrome, then suddenly everyone else relates, and then you have make all these new friends. Exactly, and it's this funny thing because I think that I've always been told or felt in my life that the, because I'm like we're very similar where we're very quick to self-deprecate we're very quick to make fun of ourselves we're very quick to like go to lengths to make the other person comfortable we'll we'll be funny at our own expense and whatnot and I've always felt as if that's maybe a weakness but deep down I've I've always felt like that just changes the the dynamic where someone just feels comfortable straight away and you're just telling someone that they don't have to feel like that and I think it's Mm. a massive strength so it was so um what's the word supportive to hear him say that because I think Mm. I think it's true I think that if if people are gonna think less of you because you don't posture and list out your accomplishments or achievements within 30 seconds of meeting them they're probably people you don't want to be friends with anyway to be honest exactly and I find that very funny because there are that you do find that and I think we find that 
a lot where because we just chat and because we're friendly and because whatever people kind of some people can take that a different way and some people can think of that as a weakness and as though we're not as worthy to chat to as some other people who are who have listed on their arm everywhere they've worked for whereas we won't even mention it people still the other day someone was like how did you guys even meet because <laughs> we just don't <laughs> even talk about work or what we've done or anything because we just want to we'd rather be real and chat about normal stuff and then well, yeah, i remember you do find being at a beauty event which I, I don't do beauty i had to go for something years ago um and that wasn't my crowd because i wrote about fashion so i didn't know anyone there and the people that i kind of knew through work weren't there either it was a lot of people i hadn't met before and it was i think i ended up calling you and i was nearly crying because i didn't speak to anyone Mm. the whole afternoon it was so awkward and then when i got in the van on the way back i was certainly seven on the bus and they like very begrudgingly started talking to you about like oh what do you do and i told them and they're like oh my god really and like the whole these four people all switched around and all started talking and all whatever and like i know that's why that's instagram why afterwards like... and stuff and i just remember it just made me feel so like icky because i just thought what is my i'm suddenly of value because yeah. i've explained what my job title is i still had that job title two hours ago when you thought yeah. you were too good to talk to me you know what i literally. mean literally i know that's why i prefer not to talk about it because then i know that everyone who is my friend is my friend because they're nice people (laughs) yeah and you can kind of spin anything any old way which is like very much the way on instagram and stuff now like you if someone this is what they talked about with the influencers thing on vanity fair how what they're struggling with not all influencers but certain influencers is that a huge part of being successful in that industry is being self-aggrandizing so taking yourself seriously thinking that people really do care what you eat each day and what you wear each day and you know like that there's skill in being or a willingness to paint your accomplishments or your assets in the most favorable light that's what the whole thing is about right it's about taking every single thing that happens that could be framed favorably or aspirational and heightening that to the absolute highest level so that people yeah. respond to it. And that's the culture that we live in now. And obviously it's quite at odds with what a kind of journalist background is, which is it's not about you. Mm. You're not the story. It's the title. It's the barber. Like that's the kind of loggerheads. Yeah. And even so in this article I was reading, the one point that really stood out to me was whether social media contributes to loneliness or helps to combat it. And so some people say the success of social media was a product of an epidemic of loneliness. And some people say it was a contributor to it. And some people say it's the only remedy for it. And I think that's Mm. what I, we've discussed this previously as well, but I think that's why I struggle with Instagram because I think that my Instagram grid isn't really, doesn't really show any part of my personality and isn't really anything that I would I don't know. I, I find it hard because I don't want to be fake on social media. But then I also don't want to be posting all of this, everything that I'm thinking 24-7 because I also don't think anyone cares about that. And then so then I end up just not posting anything because I look at it and I think, I don't even know what to do with you because I don't want to wank on about 
fucking the publications that I've worked for or the people that I've interviewed, but I also don't want to post the fact that I was crying all day yesterday in bed either. So (laughs) (laughs) I know it's really difficult. And this is the hard line to balance, obviously, because I was thinking about whether Instagram makes me feel more or less lonely. And it's, it's like the answer is both because some days when I go on, I love it and it makes me feel it genuinely makes me feel good to see what people I really admire are reading or listening to or podcast recommendations from really cool people or seeing what my mates are up to or seeing my friends produce really amazing work. I can leave that and love it. And then all of a sudden it'll turn and everything I look at makes me feel not pretty enough, not smart enough, not accomplished enough, not stylish enough, not fit enough, not good enough at cooking, not, you know, all of a sudden it just switches on its head to the most dark nefarious opposite of whatever I was feeling before and everything I see represents a lack of something in me you know but it, it's not if that was every time I went on I wouldn't go on yeah you know uh, yeah it's, exactly it's it's when I go on too much I can tell when I've been on too much that day and it, and, and it flips suddenly or if I'm having an anxious day but I think it, I think it can combat loneliness I do I love seeing what because you know, it's like you're the same. We grew up somewhere. We left that place when we were very young. We spent 10 years somewhere else. We've left that place to come here. Our families are all over the globe. Our friends are all over the world. It does make you less lonely to see your best friends in whatever city posting the gnocchi they made or hanging out with Agree. their dog or something. And even just little things. So someone posting the same series that you're watching. Even how much Tiger King blew up is everyone coming together and laughing about this ridiculous Netflix show that we wouldn't all be doing if we hadn't had social media to kind of connect the dots. Yeah, I think we would feel lonelier if we hadn't had it during this period. I really I really do. Yeah. It gets even a on bad rap, but I think even on Sunday night I was chatting to two of my friends, which is so nice because we're on the same time zone again and we haven't talked in ages. And then a bunch of other people all jumped in and then suddenly by the end of it we're doing tequila shots and having such a fun Sunday. <laughs> And that would never, yeah, happen without technology. But then I guess also, to caveat that, I also saw a bunch of people on a Zoom call and there was 12 of them having this Zoom party and I wasn't invited. And that made me feel sad. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. That's it. It can be, it's like, it's an extension of just people and people have the ability to make you feel really good or really shit. So. I want to just insert um, a bit from that Elizabeth Day episode where Alan Debon kind of talks about, sorry, I can't say his name, Alan Debotton, but she doesn't say Alan, she says Alon. Alon Debotton. But I'm like, just say, just say disgusting. Alain de Botton. Yeah. Debotton. I might yeah. just say, I might actually insert a bit of the Elizabeth Day interview because um, I fucking can't say his name. I love <laughs> I know she says it in like perfect French. She's like, oh, <laughs> just call and I've Alan. only done two weeks of dueling. We haven't got to Alan de Botton on Duolingo yet. I know. Just okay. call him anyway. Alan, it's fine. Anyway, him. Uh, where he, where Elizabeth Day uses the word single and says that her heart goes out to single people at this time. And he kind of interrupts and says, being in a romantic relationship isn't the be all and end all of human kind it's he said he much prefers to use the term 
being connected or disconnected. And so he says that you can be in a romantic relationship but feel really disconnected and feel really lonely or you can be not in a romantic relationship but feel really connected because you have friendships say like ours and you have a really strong connection with a bunch of people and you feel really happy you know you know I don't think when I am talking about being lonely in this time I'm not talking about specifically people being single I'll insert this this here I do think, though, that it is so difficult to be single and living on your own right now, whatever age you are. I mean, you mentioned earlier the consoling power of a hug. And my heart really goes out to those people who don't have that, who don't have other members of their household that they can do that with. What would your advice be to someone who is feeling very Mm. isolated at this moment? So this makes me a little bit angry, in a sense, because this is our romantic illusion really driving us onto rocks on which we should not be. Let's imagine that for whatever reason, you haven't found somebody who's the right height, who's got the right hair colour, the right hair, the right whatever it is. You're single, they're single. This is about a very particular thing about getting together with somebody to you know, have sex with and have a, a certain kind of thing which we call a romantic relationship with. That is not the be-all and end-all of human connections. There are other ways to connect. So when you say someone is single, right, as though that is somehow a kind of category that defines their entire being, I don't believe that they're single or not single. I believe that there are connected humans and disconnected humans. You can be in a relationship and be a disconnected human. And my goodness, many people out there are. That's called a not so great relationship. And let's remember many, many relationships are not so great. They're not fulfilling to their participants in lots of ways. And those people are in inverted commas as single as so-called single people. So there's a disconnected person and a connected person. Let's also remember that connection operates across different categories of friendship. You can be connected to an animal. You can be connected to a book. You can be connected to a period of history. You can be connected to a child. You can be connected to somebody you've just met. You can be connected to somebody that you've encountered in a chat room online. Whatever it may be, there are different forms of being together with someone. And for anyone in a couple who's having coronavirus fights, I've got no advice to you because me and Zach got in a fight yesterday about washing up and I broke a bowl in the sink in anger. <laughs> oh my god in anger i just kind of th- I, I threw it down in annoyance and and yeah. it's it's from argos or something really terrible and it just smashed you are quite uh boisterous in your movements anyway i'm very, very boisterous. much see how that would happen i've broken Grace. every piece of cutlery in this house you have no idea i've broken about four glasses three mugs now a bowl chipped another bowl while breaking the first bowl yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. With my anxiety sometimes, literally, Grace will walk into a room and just be like, morning, and slam a door behind her. And I'm in tears by the time I've by the time she's gotten to the table. Because I'm just like, can you please just be a little quieter? I literally just storm um, around. Um, but, but yes. Grace just told me this before the podcast and now says that I have to tell my story of a broken uh, cup. And that's when I was 11 years old and I woke up. To the sound of my mother <laughs> having sex <laughs> with my stepdad. And I was so disgusted and alarmed and I didn't know what to do. And I it was a brat. And I walked into the kitchen, grabbed a cup and hurled it down the hallway. And it smashed into pieces on the floor. <laughs> you were so silent with your laughter that it sounds like you're just silent. 
<laughs> it will come eventually. I'm laughing even harder than when I heard it the first time. <laughs> yeah, you literally just sound like you have nothing to say to my story. <laughs> and then um, and then, mum was so angry at me, obviously, that she made me clean up the um, glass on the ground and I cut my knee and was crying so much and it was like a fucking murder scene. And then I remember just being in the shower sobbing hysterically. <laughs> I was saying before that it's that would have been so traumatic at the time and it's just at the time you just would have never thought you'd be able to laugh about it and now it's just the funniest thing ever. It's the funniest thing but it's still the most disturbing having, moment of my life. Having <laughs> kids, it would be so annoying. Imagine if you were having sex for probably the first time in bloody weeks and your little brat throws a cup at your door and it smashes. <laughs> I, I can't was, think of anything worse. Yeah, I was such a deranged like... 12 to 16 year old <laughs> it's beyond i just went through these manic years and then i remember being thinking i can't wait till my sister gets to that age so they know that i'm not crazy at every teenager's like this and she's never touched a drop of alcohol and is studying to be a doctor and has been a long-term relationship with her girlfriend since she was 16 god like, you're just letting down the side like, you can just get fucked i can't wait till you go off the rails i know we'll give her a, a few glasses <laughs> I know I how it come to my house. This is this is just water. <laughs> I think someone's uh, mowing the lawns outside now, so it might be time for us to say goodbye. Time to go. Well, this is a nice long one for you guys. They've been long the whole time in isolation, and I was meaning to make us sound as though that was on purpose, so that we were giving people extra content, but it's not. It's but because it in is. England we see each other every minute of every fucking day. Yeah, and we're so, so we sick of each ha- other. We don't have as much to talk about, whereas here we are sort of checking in still probably. It's most days, but it's not all day, so we have like a bit more. I know. Um, we would, a bit when more we would, fuel in the engine. In London, we need to figure that out because I love working beside you every day, but then by the end of the week, we just are so sick of each other that we don't want to hang out on the weekend and we're supposed to be best friends. And that's when the time comes. I know, it's because we work at the same place. We need to sit in different rooms or something. <laughs> I know. That would be so sad. Have some me time. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. please rate, review and subscribe, everyone, and keep an ear out later this week for some extra special isolation content for you guys stay we're so tuned. mysterious we're so mysterious what could it be i'm gonna kill this man who's mowing lawns outside my window obviously doesn't listen to awd i know you should tell him to okay bye guys bye guys bye bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.